Hi, I'm Travis Foray, and this is the Returns Management Podcast by Return Logic, the show where we connect e-commerce store owners together through casual discussion and examine current myths and trends to keep you up to date on everything happening in the e-commerce world. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Returnalytics. On today's episode, we're changing things up a bit. We're going to be talking to our co-host, David Gonzalez, about the future of returns and some exciting innovations that are coming very, very soon to the e-commerce returns industry. David, welcome. As always, it's an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Travis, and congratulations on signing Jalen to a nice five-year deal. Thank you, thank you. I saw that it was for $255 million, and then I instantly regretted quitting every sport I've ever played. But since it's a little too late for that, let's get back to something I can do, and that's podcasting. So starting off, I wanted to touch on a topic that I find to be super interesting and feel will have a huge impact on the future of returns and the post-purchase experience. That topic is personalized or segmented post-purchase experiences. So David, can you talk a little bit about what that is and then what benefits retailers can expect to see from a feature like this? Yeah, absolutely. I'll preface by saying personalized post-purchase experiences isn't just a feature, it's a fundamental shift in strategy, the shift in strategy when it comes to returns. So what do I mean by that? For the longest time, everybody has treated every return the same way. Every shopper gets the same experience. Maybe there's a few bells and whistles that some get, but others might not. But until recently, there wasn't a good way to figure out who are my most profitable shoppers and how do I know? AKA, there was not a good way to segment shoppers based off their customer lifetime value and based off their profitability. So as we've seen play out across a ton of different tools in the industry, when it comes to returns, there just hasn't been personalization. There hasn't been that white glove treatment. So what's really exciting is in the next 12, 24 months, companies will begin to be able to essentially automate the post-purchase experience based off the segment a shopper falls in. So what do I mean by that? Let's say I'm a shopper who spends thousands of dollars that I have a really high customer lifetime value. Maybe I don't return them much product. So overall, I'm, I'm profitable. What'll happen is instead of having the same post-purchase experience as a brand new shopper, I'm going to get a a white glove treatment. Meaning the second I order something, someone's going to be able to set up automatically what my return experience will look like. So I'll get free return shipping. I'll get a free label. I'll get bonus credit. I'll get all the bells and whistles. I'll get a VIP treatment because I'm in the highest tier or the most profitable tier of shoppers. You contrast that with somebody who might be a first time buyer or maybe a segment of shoppers who aren't all that profitable. We're gonna make them pay for their own shipping. We're gonna make them pay for their labels. They're not gonna get those bonus incentives. 
things like that. So essentially, you can give a white glove treatment to your most profitable shoppers because they are worth the most for you. So it's a brand new way of thinking, brand new way of looking at things. And instead of this one size fits all approach, we will finally be able to automate the post-purchase experience based off of how profitable a specific shopper is. Wow, I love it. And that actually hits on a question that we get all the time, which is should I charge for return shipping? So it sounds like this is a great opportunity for merchants to not have to choose one or the other, but to offer both. Give an easy returns experience and free shipping to the most profitable shoppers and charge for return shipping for new or potentially less profitable shoppers. But like you mentioned, this allows merchants to tailor that experience based off the shopper's standing or profitability. What I really like about this ability is that shoppers won't know the difference. Before, merchants had to either charge for shipping for everyone or offer free shipping for everyone. So this allows them to choose which shoppers receive these benefits or easier returns experiences without the shopper knowing. So like you mentioned in your example, David, if you're a profitable shopper, you get free return shipping. But I'm a new shopper, so I pay for shipping. But as a new shopper, I don't know the difference or that you, David, are getting free return shipping while I'm not. So it's a win-win for merchants. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I love that shift in strategy. It goes right along with our next topic, and that's real-time alerts. A common theme that our listeners are going to notice on this episode is the focus on using data to improve returns management. So real-time alerts are another great example of that. And they sound pretty self-explanatory, but David, could you touch on a few ways that retailers can use real-time alerts to help protect their profits? Yeah, so as an example, a lot of times what people do right now is they review their returns data over periods of time and then go back and figure out a root cause analysis. So there's a lag, there's a time lag. Contrast that with being able to get an alert in real time. For instance, let's say I want to know when this specific SKU has a return rate of 40%. I get a real time notification for that as opposed to reviewing it once a quarter or after a big release. I'm going to be able to make decisions and make adjustments quickly and on the fly in order to help prevent any losses. So Let's say a brand new fall line comes out. I want to know if those pair of leggings that I just produced have a return of over 40% at any point. So sales start coming off. All of a sudden I get an alert. Hey, return rates at 40. I can go in and dig in and say, oh man, okay. Everyone's sending these back because the fit is wrong. Okay. Well, now I know that right then and there, I can go make adjustments and hopefully take corrective action quickly instead of waiting for all these events to play out and then doing something for it. And it might not be a percentage. This could also be, I wanna know the second that I've had $10,000 worth of return value come back. So maybe instead of a percentage, it's a value. And the second that value gets hit, I get alerted and then I know, ooh, okay, there might be an issue. So now I have to go in and do some digging, also do that root cause analysis. But the theme here is those real-time alerts let you 
take corrective action quickly instead of waiting to do a, a post-mortem and figure out where something went wrong. So it'll allow retailers to nip problems in the bud. Nip problems in the bud. Gotta love that. So what I'm hearing is real-time alerts provide a more immediate way to point out the data that means the most to merchants. So this will allow them to set up limitations in areas where that data will point out specific things that they want to see. So the focus is really cutting out that extra step where merchants have to dig through their data. And now the data kind of comes to them and says, hey, here's a problem that you wanted to be notified about. Mm -hmm. Great. So we're starting to see this full picture come into place here with using data to improve returns management. One more topic that I wanted to touch on before switching over, though, is dynamic pricing. So our listeners are probably thinking, what is that? And how does dynamic pricing go along with what we've touched on so far? So could you start off by explaining what that is for everybody listening? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to your point, we talked about a personalized post-purchase experience. We talked about real-time alerts. Dynamic pricing plays into that. And so... Uh, I think the best way to look at it would be uh, an analogy. So let's say you go shopping at Old Navy and you spend $10 on a t-shirt and it lasts for a month. That probably matches up with your expectations. But if you go to Banana Republic and you spend $50 on a t-shirt and it lasts you a month, you're probably going to be more upset and more inclined to return that product. So if you have access to that data... And this is going to sound incredibly counterintuitive, but it's one of the powers of returns data. You could drop the pricing of that product, which would drop the return rate, which would in turn increase profitability. So I know you're probably thinking I'm crazy right now, but in theory, you could lower the price of a product to make it more profitable. So that's what we mean. Dynamic pricing in this case would mean pricing could update in real time or uh, after some analysis, and you could go back and review and say, I'm going to update my pricing to help lower my return rate and ultimately turn these levers to make it more profitable for myself. So looking at returns data to influence pricing is something that is not mainstream right now, but is definitely an application in a future state uh, if you can leverage your returns data. Speaking of something that costs $50 and doesn't even last a full month, it's too bad you can't return gas for your car because I could really use some dynamic pricing there. Anyways, back to reality. So the goal with dynamic pricing is really to raise the value per dollar for the shopper. Is that fair to say? Value per dollar, exactly. Price is what you pay, value is what you get, absolutely. So if your return rate is too high and you drop that price, then maybe it becomes more valuable for that shopper, more likely to keep it, less likely to return it, and then all in all, it's more profitable for you as the merchant. Yeah, good call. Yeah, of course, and it really sets those customer expectations. You know, if you're buying a luxury or high-end product, you, you expect it to be a specific level of quality and to last a certain amount of time. If I'm gonna spend $2,000 on a pair of jeans, I don't wanna ever have to purchase those again. I hold them to a higher standard than a pair of jeans that I would buy from, say, Walmart. Um, but now I wanna change topics a little bit and touch on something that we've mentioned plenty of times in the past, and that's APIs. 
So we promised our listeners that we would wait until after the holidays to get into APIs, and what a perfect time it is. So API stands for Application Programming Interface. APIs are basically like a messenger that takes requests and tells the system what information you want to collect and then returns the response back. If you're not really familiar with APIs, I would say stop the podcast here, educate yourself a little bit, and then come back to the episode and keep listening. There's actually a great video using a waiter as an analogy for an API, and I will have that linked in the description to check out. But David, on a high-level view, what are some of the benefits that retailers can expect to see over the next few years with the progression of APIs? Right. Uh, APIs basically unlock information for merchants. Merchants have all these different tools, whether if it's an ERP, a WMS, whatever acronym you want to use, there are all these different tools. And right now, none of them have a good way of communicating with returns tools. So data is very siloed. APIs unlock that. So they unlock the floodgates and allow returns data to interact with all these other business units and functions. So that leads to this idea called return stacks. So all the different tools you use to manage returns and having all of that data filter into one place. So the best way to look at it is retailers are gonna have this sort of central command hub dashboards, customizable dashboards, if you will, that will show them real-time events happening, alerts happening, you know, rolling 30-day averages, things like that. Um, they can essentially have this one-stop shop for all things returns. And what that allows them to do is essentially make informed decisions because a lot of retailers right now have siloed data. And so they're making decisions on a certain processes, certain tools without really seeing how that might impact other parts of the business. And so what APIs allow people to do is get full visibility into what's happening in their reverse supply chain and reverse logistics. So what might an example look like? Let's say, Hypothetically, someone's able to put a, uh, a real-time returns API on a product description page, meaning I'm a shopper, I go check out this you know, pair of jeans, maybe there's like a Yapo plugin where I see reviews, but maybe there's another plugin where I see, huh, this is the current return rate, the return rate over the past 30 days, here are the most common reasons. And as a shopper, I might either avoid that product because it has a high return rate, which is valuable information for that retailer. They're going to see sales go down and wonder why. Or maybe B, I go look at those comments on the product description page. I see that maybe the fit is a little bit too tight. So maybe I buy a size up and now all of a sudden I'm good to go. Jeans fit like a glove and I'm a happy shopper. I buy more and more and more. So APIs are floodgates and it's really going to boil down to who can actually consume all of this returns data, who can blend it with all the other data uh, that's happening in other e-commerce tools and make it actionable for retailers. So that's what I'm excited about. APIs unlock opportunity and they unlock things that don't exist yet, which is going to be so fun and fascinating to see what kind of things people can build once they have the building blocks to do so. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So some common trends that we've touched on is the ability to collect and aggregate data throughout the entire process, the whole way from the orders through the returns. And the real key is to be able to act upon that data. 
So we've touched on ways to collect actionable data, we've touched on using APIs to connect all that data, and we've touched on using real-time alerts to bring attention to the data that matters most. So finally, I want to end the show on the topic of A-B testing return policies. If you're not familiar with A-B testing, it's a common strategy used in marketing, especially in email marketing, but it's not something that's ever been done in returns before. So David, last question of the day, how can retailers use A-B testing effectively in their return policies? Yeah, I think A-B testing is the ultimate application of all the things that we just talked about. Because a lot of times people don't have a returns problem so much as they have a measurement problem. They don't know what will happen if they make certain changes or if they pull on certain levers, what outcomes will happen. And so what's nice about A-B testing return policies is you'll be able to figure out which return policy is most profitable for my business because with open APIs, with all the other tools that we have, being able to segment shoppers, you will be able to tell Here's the impact this particular return policy has on my profitability. As an example, let's say I want to A-B test two different return policies. I'm going to say I want to try just a very basic experiment. I want one half of my shoppers to get a 30-day return policy, the other half to get a 60-day return policy, and I want to see what happens. Perfect. You run it, you're able to see after a thousand returns for each of those two different return policies that the return rate for 30 days was way higher. You lost a lot more money. Okay, perfect. Now you can make an informed decision as a business owner or a founder and say, I'm gonna alter my policy to 60 days now because it's more profitable. So it allows you to run these experiments to figure out what actually helps you remain profitable instead of just guessing. So APIs, knowing the profitability of segments, All of that stuff is going to ultimately allow retailers to run experiments, to measure the impacts these experiments have on how profitable they are as a business. And so really, it's going to unlock reality for a lot of people. And I'm incredibly excited to see what kind of findings that we see from our retailers and and just from the industry in general, because there are so many tropes. There are so many things we've been told to do for so long, free return shipping, giveaway returns all day you know every day and then a year later we find out that that's not really a good business practice and so what i'm most excited for is seeing once retailers can finally measure the impact these changes have on their profitability what kind of best practices can we all come up with that helps make the post-purchase experience better for the shoppers better for retailers for the world at large i guess in the grander scheme well you heard it here first folks Data is the truth behind returns. It's the only way to truly see what's working and what's not working without having to guess. Absolutely. And it sounds like all of that is going to be unlocked here very soon. So I'm excited to see what the future of returns management looks like, how the industry shapes out, and what decisions merchants are going to make about their return policies. And said it better myself. Well, That's all we have for today, folks. I appreciate you coming on the show, David. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, don't forget, check us out on all social media channels as we're always staying up to date on everything happening in the e-commerce world. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.
Thanks for listening. Catch another episode, learn more at returnlogic.com, and find us on YouTube. And I'll see you back here on the Returns Management Podcast. 